Hello, I'm Louise Drum and welcome to Conversations in Online Learning, a podcast in which we discuss online learning and how to support it. Today we are with four students from Edinburgh Napier University who are going to talk about some research they have been conducting on the students' experiences this year. Hello everyone, you're very welcome. Can I ask you to please introduce yourselves? Hello, I'm Andrew Marr. I'm an MSc Occupational Therapy student, currently in my first year at Napier University. I am currently on placement with the Student Experience team, and I'm one of four members, and I will then introduce themselves as well. Hi, I'm Rebecca Mon. Hi, I'm Kiva. And I'm Alison Sweeney, also a student with Edinburgh Napier Occupational Therapy first year. Thanks so much for spending time with us today to tell us about um, your placement and what you've been working on. So you're based in the university's School of Health and Social Care. And you investigated students' experiences of being online at university this year. What does occupational therapy have to bring to helping us understand the online student experience? Um, Yeah, occupational therapy really tries to take a sort of whole person approach to mental and physical health. Um, There's a couple of really important concepts which we've sort of tried to, to bring to the fore when we've been thinking about this. Occupational identity really is who people are and who they want to be by the things they they do um, in life. And also occupational performance, that's a person's physical, cognitive and social abilities and how they impact on the things that they want to do and need to do. We know that the School of Health and Social Care really wants to promote student confidence and Edinburgh Napier University really aims to nurture talent. So we felt there was quite a good overlap. We, we made use of a model of occupational therapy that we had learned about in our uh, course this year to really sort of unpick how the online environment impacts on students' well-being in a sort of holistic sense. Sounds great. And jumping straight in, what, what were the main themes that you found in your work? So... We conducted our um, discussions with students on a sort of individual and group basis to sort of understand their experiences. And through these discussions, we identified sort of six overarching themes that sort of became predominant, re- uh, reoccurring through these discussions. So I'm just going to take some time to go through them for you. Social isolation. This was a very prevalent issue currently. Uh, many students are feeling socially isolated from their peers and have reoccurringly expressed this strong desire for face-to-face meetings or some kind of human contact. Communication and organisation, a lot of the students we interviewed felt confused by the information that was put online and also over, sometimes overwhelmed by the content they had to cover. Uh, timekeeping and routine was another theme we identified. Uh, just that difficulty in adjusting to uh, a new routine online where your environment is just one place. Uh, a common problem we found was knowing when to, students were finding when to break away from working in front of a laptop or a computer all day. And we found that they reported this being quite disruptive to other aspects in their lives. Uh, more so the case as well for students with families or children at home. However, we did find a particular benefit was the attendance online. Lecturers we spoke to and staff reported that there was a higher, higher turnout or attendance for some of the uh, courses they were running. And from discussion, we sort of figured this might be due to the flexibility that this environment offers students. However, another problem that we covered was the concerns over practical skills. So obviously many students are feeling quite apprehensive about moving into the practical line of work uh, or placements uh, due to missing this learning in the simulation centres. And some students are even feeling unqualified and not really deserving of claiming that identity as being a student nurse or professional in their field. Just on the last issue as well, timetabling has been quite a frustrating uh, issue for students in online learning. There was a, there's been quite a 
a lack of clear timetabling reported by most students that we interviewed. Uh, and while some of this can be down to the flexibility that the, uh, the online environment offers, being able to move classes around as needed, it's also caused some clashes with role responsibilities, particularly for more mature students or uh, students with roles out with the university role. And just on that, Andrew, what what was it in particular about timetabling? Was it the fact that it wasn't communicated, or that things were being changed? It was kind of it was kind of both. Sometimes it was a case of like changes in the timetable weren't communicated, so people didn't know where to be and what what lectures were going on certain days, and. I think there was this also this perception that staff would sometimes just move things around to be more convenient for themselves. And it just feeds into this sort of negative attitude that some students develop about the, um, not always, but sometimes this negative sort of perception about, uh, just not really accounting for sort of their needs, but more account, more fitting the staff sort of, uh, requirements. So yeah, it was more just about communicating, having a consistency, a consistent timetable so people could adequately structure their days. Mm hmm. Yeah, it sounds like um, a, a certainly a student-centred focus or a student understanding of the student experience there would, would help people. Um, taking a step back then, how did you collect the data? What was it? Um, so I guess we mainly looked at student feedback from modules this trimester, but um, we felt we needed to get like a broader overview. So we also looked at the National Student Survey from last year, just for background and context. And we... We spoke with um, academic staff here in the School of Health and Social Care and with support services such as like academic skills. But I suppose most importantly, what Andrew was saying there, we held group and individual meetings, um, mostly with nursing students, but again, just to include and capture the student voice. You mentioned there about some of the challenges that students were, um, were experiencing. What were the things that helped students who were struggling? Well, the short answer to this is uh, checklists, but um, I'll give a kind of an overview of how we came to that conclusion. So um, we kind of spoke to the students about what were they really struggling with in the occupation of studying. Um, and they were saying that they were finding it really hard to manage their kind of routine um they were losing their kind of work-life balance because they were doing all of their activities in the home. So anything they needed to do during the day was done at home. They're eating, sleeping, working at home. So they were really finding it hard to balance this out. So we we were asking them, what what's the biggest struggle? And they were saying time management and organisation was what they really, really wanted to be addressed uh, so we asked them, what is working well in the modules that are going well? Like, how can we bring that forward into the ones that you're struggling with? And the answer that kept coming up again and again was checklists. So um, we were kindly allowed to go into um, the modules and look at them on Moodle to see the checklists that were being used. And um, they were very clear and you could see what you needed to do for the week. And you could also tick off the boxes um, and it just, it showed your progress. So there was a progress bar with a percentage beside it. So you could see how much work you had already gotten through. And students found this really beneficial to help them plan their, their study time. Cause they could see at the top of the list, the most important things. And then what was kind of additional reading. And they really wanted it to be clear what was 
the part that needed to be done and what was additional reading so that they could really work their schedule around what had to be done and when they had that spare time when they could get the rest done so uh, these checklists kept coming up and students really highlighted the need for this across all modules so we really brought this forward and highlighted this as an intervention that that would be really good for all modules Sounds great. And I'm familiar with the checklists in Moodle indeed. And um, there are other versions available in other virtual learning environments as well. But I think that idea of structure and timetabling is really important. And it, it means planning ahead in a way that you might not do when you're you're teaching or learning in a, in a face-to-face way. But I think that the other differentiation you've got there is between the sort of the required stuff that absolutely needs to be done and then the surrounding supporting um, activities that really help the learning as well. So I think, I think that's a really important finding. And, and, um, and I think, again, it's the kind of thing that maybe at the consistency across uh, different modules or different modes of study, that might be a useful thing for people to have. So thinking about um, how students engage with their studies and then also how they engage with each other and the university in general, what what did you find around those areas? One thing we really found was that students are, are really missing the connections that they might usually have. You know, the sort of ones that you, you pick up in between classes, where you, you know, you meet a, a, a classmate in the corridor or waiting for a lecture or you go for a coffee or you meet them in the library. And um, that kind of informal information sharing and that conversation where you might process some of the, the learning that you've had or just the, the general experiences of orientating yourself at, at university. It, um, we really felt that's a sort of occupation, if you like, that that helps students, um, you know, share university learning together and share that experience. We we kind of realised, um, obviously, student nurses are, are likely to be quite people oriented people, um, and have a very strong sense of vocation in the the choice of their career. And many of them are mature um, students who are career changers who have other responsibilities in life. So sort of working in an, an online environment um, doesn't really help you make those connections, particularly when you're in your first year at, at university. The nursing group is a very large cohort. Um, even their PDT groups are sort of about 40. So, you know, it's, it's quite difficult to break that down in, in an online world and, and make those connections. And, um, you know, we kind of reflected that in Scotland, it's not culturally normal to, to meet people or get to know people well online. It's certainly not something that we're particularly comfortable with yet and I don't know if we ever will be to be honest so you know we, we would rather engage with people over a coffee as I say sort of sitting beside somebody at a lecture those are the natural ways you would start to, to sort of be engaging with people and, and make that contact that helps you share what you, you're, you're experiencing. We know that there's been quite a lot of unofficial groups um, spring up to sort of fill that void if you like the whatsapp groups and, and facebook and things like that um, and these can be really helpful for connecting um, people but you know we have also heard that there can be negativity associated with that and it can sometimes be a source of misinformation that you know the, the wrong information can quickly get spread around and we know that there's also official groups if you like that are, are being set up by pdts or lecturers such as um, using technology like teams um, which again can be really helpful in addressing and correct information but you lose that authenticity perhaps or that spontaneous spontaneous conversation um, that students might have between themselves so you know there is a bit of a struggle in um, uh, recreating what you would naturally get in a, a, a sort of university environment. 
I think that brings up so many important points there in relation to things like um, student spaces for just students where they're not being sort of controlled or under the eye of of the, the tutors. You mentioned there about the personal, the PDT groups and at Edinburgh Napier, we have a personal development tutor system um, where every, every student has a named member of staff for the duration of their studies. How did that relationship work during the pandemic, given that everything was online? What happened? Um, I suppose overall we got uh, mixed feedback. I suppose we heard a lot about inconsistency and variability just around their engagement with students just throughout this whole pandemic. And I guess we feel that there just needs to be um, expectation just clear around their role that, you know, speaking to PDTs and speaking to students, a lot of people just there's a lot of different perceptions of this role. So we even heard from students that some of them didn't know who their PDT was or, you know, they might not feel comfortable to approach them. And, you know, we know that if PDTs like don't meet their students in the first three weeks, students, you know, like ourselves, we we won't get in touch with them when we actually have a need. We just kind of like thought around this and we were thinking maybe just for PDTs to like send a like simple, friendly email just straight away, introducing themselves, um, you know, and offering more contact perhaps like later in the term. But obviously like time constraints in this role is inevitable and maybe group meetings might be more efficient and easier to run um, for BTTs. But then we've heard it again, just on the flip side, that group meetings are, you know, if you were in a group meeting, you might be unlikely to just open up like about personal issues that you're struggling with and you might desperately want this one-to-one time. So it mightn't work for you. So then we just, I guess we just really want to emphasize that um, it's not okay just to assume students are okay by default and just to refocus, I guess, on this like valuable role, because even amongst our group before, like there's, we've had such different, it's just variability. Yeah. And I think you're highlighting there something that's so fundamental to, particularly in these circumstances, but in general as well, the idea of just showing that you care and tutors do care and and PDTs and people who are running courses and modules and so on that, um, you know, you talked earlier about the vocation of of um, the nursing students, but there's also a vocation involved in in teaching as well. And those simple gestures that we might think might take for granted um, about reaching out, sending an email can actually mean an awful lot um, to individual students just to know that there's somebody who is there and who does care. Um, So yes, a very important point there. So thinking um, to the future now, what are the key things you think universities should be prioritising in the months and the years ahead? So, as we've mentioned, we feel it be really it is really important to sort of help create ways of structuring communicating work to students. And the checklist intervention that we've sort of covered prior, we feel this is a really great example of how this could be achieved. The universities also, we think, need to help create these, encourage these student-led social spaces online and help build that sense of belonging community that's been diminished since the movement in online in some cases. Student-led spaces, of course, are important, and we also need to find and encourage positive ways of using them and and ways of interacting with each other in a positive way. We also, as Rebecca just mentioned, we also believe that the PDT system is a great can have great benefits for students if they engage with it and should be the priority going forward, just making yourself visible and approachable. But in, in regards to looking beyond COVID, um, where we can start learning again on campus and we're uh, students can come back into more practically based learning. I think offering more opportunities for that learning uh, to so, to compensate for the time that's been lost over lockdown again would be really helpful in sort of helping cement those students the sense of identity that students get from their course and just feeling those 
they have those practical skills moving forward. And just again, emphasizing that importance of face-to-face -face or peer contact, building that sense of connectedness between students just remains the priority for student engagement on the course. We appreciate it might, it's not as it was before, but if we keep working at it, we can get to a point where it's, it's better. Thanks. Great. Thank you. So finally, are there any resources or um, references that you'd like to share with listeners or any contact details about how people can find out more about what you've done? Yeah, so um, if you'd like to know more, you can contact the Edinburgh Napier Student Experience Team in the School of Health and Social Care because they have access to our full presentation about all of our findings and how we went about doing this. Um, and they also have access to a shorter video um, where we go through a shorter version of the presentation. And you can contact them by emailing shsc support at napier.ac.uk. Fabulous. Thanks so much. I'll add those notes and those links and the email address to our show notes as well for the podcast. But it just remains for me to say thank you so much, Andrew, Rebecca, Kiva, and Alison. It was lovely talking to you today. And thank you so much for sharing your work. Thank Bye. you. Thank you.